Season 3 of the Options Save Lives podcast is brought to you with the support of our presenting sponsor, R Street Institute, and is hosted by Executive Director Jenny Williamson. So we're wrapping up the third season of our Options Save Lives podcast today with our very own Claudia Christian, who embodies everything about our season-long theme of change and change makers. Claudia, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jenny. I appreciate it. And it's good to be back. Well, before we dive in, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the audience and give everyone a brief rundown of the events that inspired you to start the C3 Foundation. Anyone looking for the long version can go uh, <laughs> watch your TEDx. So we'll we'll do this brief. Okay. Uh, I... I had a drinking problem that started in my late 30s when my social drinking became heavy drinking. And I had tried everything from uh, very expensive rehab to multiple AA meetings to hypnotherapy and psychotherapy and everything in between therapy. <laughs> and eventually, I luckily and uh, fortuitously stumbled upon um, the Sinclair method. And it worked so well for me that I decided it would it, I would be remiss <laughs> uh, in my judgment if I did not um, carry on this 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 torch of bringing this this information to anybody and everybody that I possibly could. It felt to me like this was my calling because I I am an actress and I am a, a good speaker and I thought well, and I could write about it and make a documentary about it and I thought maybe this this is a good way to apply the talents that I have and for the greater good. And so far in the past 13 years, it has certainly reached a tremendous amount of people, of which I'm incredibly proud of. I'm proud of the work that you personally, Jenny, you've done over the past decade and how much we've grown. And most important, you know, it's never it's never abated. I still receive emails, and I'm sure you do every single day, saying your C3 Foundation saved my life. The information you provide saved my life. Your TED Talk, your documentary, your book, whatever, saved my life. And when you read those words, you really can't stop what you're doing, <laughs> nor do you ever want to stop what you're doing because you are literally saving people's lives. And yet, even with all that, people still, rightfully so, complain that not enough people know about the Sinclair Method. And while that will be true until it's a household name, let's talk some more about what it looked like a decade ago before you started C3 Foundation. Talk, well, talk about what the landscape of treatment and the knowledge of the Sinclair Method was back before you started C3. I call it BC, before Claudia, <laughs> or before C3 Foundation. Um, in 2009, when I was uh, looking for naltrexone, I went to my own GP who told me, and I'm not joking, he said, I'm not going to prescribe you an opiate. I had to point out to him that it was an opiate antagonist, <laughs> not an opiate, and that there was no reward from this medication, no high. Anyway, he refused. Um, it took me multiple doctors before one prescribed. I needed to order my my medication online illegally from India, which no one, thank goodness, has to do that anymore. Um, there was no information other than Dr. Roy Escapa's 
unupdated book, the non-updated book, the original version of The Cure for Alcoholism. That was it. There were no meetings. There were no drink log apps. There was no telemedicine companies providing uh, support and prescriptions. There was no webdoctors.com where you could just go and get the prescription that day delivered to your your uh, local pharmacy. There was no Rhea Health. There was no or there was no, uh, you know, any of this uh Alcure, all of these comprehensive programs, all of Canada. I, I mean, there was there was nobody. People in Canada were coming to us. People in the UK were coming to us, screaming for it. People were flying to Spain because it used to be over the counter. It's not anymore. Just keep that in mind if you're desperate. Um, but now there's all these resources that one can use, including uh, overseas. Um, there's companies that will help you obtain the prescription and give you support if you want that. So things have changed dramatically. There was no documentary about it. There were no two books about additional books. Uh, my memoir, Babylon Confidential, Journeys, the book that I wrote that's a compilation of stories from people on TSM. There was none of this. And there certainly was only one doctor, Dr. Stephen Cox. Um, and he was the only one offering his patients privately, by the way, no no advertising of that. Privately, he would offer it to his um, his own patients. And that was it. So I finally got my Los Angeles doctor on board, um, who was one of the original, you know, I, I call them the OGs, you know, the original gangster doctors that said, yeah, sure, I'll try this. He tried it with his patients and suddenly saw this remarkable change. And he started a little sort of backdoor TSM clinic. But this was back in, now we're talking about 2010 and 11. So so we're going way back to 10 and 11, finally one doctor. So I was able to at least send my Los Angeles patients to a doctor, in, in-house doctor. Then when you joined and we started C3 Foundation in 2013, you know, we, as you remember, we were a one-page website with very limited resources. Um, but, you know, we slowly but surely went to addiction conferences and signed up doctors. We used to be excited about getting six doctors interested. We were like, woohoo! we're building our page you know i mean things were hilarious back then but this is how we struggled to get it done and now i look at that page and i realize the entire united states is covered all of canada is covered you know um, multiple countries in europe including the uk you can find help pretty much anywhere anywhere you are i still struggle with some communities getting them the medication but um but we're working on every every aspect of it. I mean, recently, I even managed to get somebody in Kenya and somebody in Hong Kong uh, uh, hooked up with somebody. So, you know, we're we're trying the best we can. And when people say, "How come I've never heard of it?" I I want to slap them first of all because <laughs> because we worked our backsides off trying to get um get where we are already on an extremely small shoestring budget and uh and a woman power of two um with the occasional very kind volunteer stepping in but um it's pretty remarkable i think what two women have done in in, in a decade and uh and of course everybody who has supported us from the very beginning um so I think the landscape has has changed dramatically. I think, though, that we we should, you know, take a, a, a little moment to say we've we've done good. Jobs are good um, because we have really profoundly changed what it used to, the, the 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 impact of TSM and the accessibility of TSM, and certainly um, 
anybody starting now has such a wealth of information, videos, our YouTube channel, the resources. Uh, physicians have their own page, which is c3foundation.net. I mean, anybody who wants the research, it's literally a click away. People who want to download a free drink log app, who want to join 10 meetings live a week in different time zones, people who want social media apps, a forum. I mean, there's a lot that we can offer and that other resources can offer nowadays. So there's no excuse for anybody to have to do it through the back door like I did back in 2009. And in some way, I do wish that I could go back and change my TEDx talk to reflect what's happening now, but um, unfortunately I can't. So people will still say, where did you buy it in India? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Go to c3foundation.org. Please don't mess around with any illegal online pharmacies. Trust me, they'll be calling you for the next 20 years. I, I personally receive a phone call multiple times a week from that same Indian pharmacy that I ordered <laughs> in 2009, the one time I ordered medication online in my entire life, they still call me. Thank you very much. <laughs> so as, as you mentioned, like everything really has changed. I mean, there are medical providers, there's online support, there's resources for people on the Sinclair method to print out and download. And there's one little pill. Your TEDx talk has been seen, I checked it right before coming online, more than 4.1 million times. We've not only gone to conferences to exhibit, we've held three of our own. We've had our video series, in, which has turned into the podcast. We have four websites, our primary one, our medical provider one, our coaching website, and the One Little Pill website, plus our various social and peer support groups. And as you said, honestly, on our budget with only the two of us, and that handful of incredible volunteers that we have had, it is nothing short of miraculous that we have been able to build all of this. Yeah, I forgot about the coaching page. That was something that 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 was an idea. And now look, we have we have these coaches. I've trained an additional six that we're trying to add to the page eventually, including bilingual coaches and coaches in different time zones in Europe. Um, you know, I, I think that's outstanding as well. When people can get any level of support that they want. If they want to just get the medication and do it and read the book, fine. If they want additional support, coaching or peer support, they can get it, which is quite remarkable because as I said, when I started TSM, it was literally, I mean, thank, thank God I met Dr. Escapa and Dr. Sinclair. So if I had questions, I could email <laughs> directly to the horse's mouth. But but, you know, had I not had that, I probably really would have been just, you know, very much alone. I had I had those amazing men in my life, but it wasn't something that I could abuse and call, you know, Dr. Scott in South Africa and say, by the way, you know, so it was very basic, um, very basic uh, uh, directions. I remember Dr. Sinclair just said to me, basically, if you're really craving, take a pill and wait an hour and drink. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then one day, Escapa said, you should be good for 10 hours. And, and now over the years, we found out that mm, maybe not, not all people are good for 10 hours. And, and also, how do people identify a craving, for instance? So Sinclair and Escapa really didn't, you know, have the time or the impetus to do to really think about those kind of things. Like, how do you really know your craving? Or it could be a trigger or a memory or just walking down the grocery aisle and seeing your favorite wine. So all of these things, 
we've developed, we've come up with it through anecdotal experience, through 13 years of casual coaching and then and then professional coaching, through 10 years for you of listening to people day in and day out have issues with TSM. I mean, our body of knowledge has grown exponentially over the years. So it's it's really quite amazing what we can offer people now. It's called pure raw data that we've we've accumulated through thousands and thousands of people coming into our lives and, and to C3 Foundation and asking questions and us researching or asking the doctors and finding re resolutions and answers for them. And of everything we've accomplished in the first nearly 10 years, what, and you can choose more than one, are you most proud of or is the most meaningful for you? Okay, my head said providers, my heart said one little pill. And and so I will say the reason my head says providers, because without providers, how could anybody get naltrexone and support that they need to to do TSM? So that's that's the most important thing. And the thing that I'm most proud of is that we can now look at the page and pretty much anyone can find a provider that knows at least a little bit about TSM. And that's 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 the one I'm most proud of, because I was like I said, I was I was suffering from not being able to find a doctor that would give me just the prescription, which was outrageous in 2009. It had been approved since 1994. So that's outrageous. So I'm, I'm most proud of the fact that we built that provider page. But my heart says one little pill because um, it's a beautiful film. My, my deceased father is in it. And also it, it's really helpful to people who want to show TSM to their loved ones. And I've heard so many people say, thank you for making that film. I showed it to my spouse, I showed it to my kid, whatever. And, and it really helped them open that door to understanding and compassion and seeing other people on it, listening to other people, especially my father in that film, when he finally gets what addiction feels like. And that aha moment and that understanding and generosity of spirit towards his child who was suffering from an addiction is, is I think made it so much easier for other people's parents to open their heart and try to understand what a compulsive disorder of the brain feels like. And so I think that that film I'm most proud of because it try it it normalizes it. It puts a face on substance use disorder. It puts a face on alcohol use disorder. Puts many faces on it from all over the world. We went to England, to India, the United States and I just into to uh Finland and I just think that when you watch this global itch issue and you see real people talking about it, including the most amazing Dr. Metra in, in uh, Kashama Metra, Dr. Didi in India, you know, when she says that, that she's so non-judgmental, she's so humble in this film. And when she says, you don't have to give up alcohol, the alcohol will give you up. I mean, that that's just such a a simple, profound truth. And so all of these layers of beauty and heart that, that are in that film um, are something that I'm very proud of, even though I did not say that line, <laughs> but, I, but I was part of making that film. And I'm, and I'm, I'm proud, of, proud of that and the impact it's had on families, particularly. And yet we are constantly reminded that all of this is still not enough. Yeah. With the constant struggle to do more, without the additional human or financial resources to do it, 
How do you personally deal with the paradox of knowing that you're doing everything that you are currently capable of doing while also watching so many people still continue to be harmed by the addiction industry's lack of acceptance of the Sinclair method? You know, it's, it's, it's very difficult for me when I, you know, I, in one way, I thank God for social media, even though I can't stand it in, in, on many levels, because people can reach me now on Instagram or, you know, uh, in direct messaging, uh, particularly Instagram and Twitter, those because I, they go straight into my email box. And so I get lots and lots of people who say, oh, I saw your TEDx talk or, oh, I, uh, you know, I've heard about this thing called, and I'm really grateful because I can just put the link to c3foundation.org right in that direct message. It goes right to the person and I know they're going to get the help they need immediately. So those little things, but when I think about that, when I think about the fact that they're even, that they're even lost insofar as not ever hearing about it, it, of course it upsets me because I know how, how, much we've done and to us it seems like a massive difference from 2009 till now i mean there's resources there's everything people can get the help they need but the problem is people don't know they can get the help they need and and there's multi multiple layers here first of all i'm sorry i didn't name c3 foundation the sinclair method chair nonprofit or something like that because then it would come up in a google search a lot easier but i was naive i didn't know honestly i just somebody you know the person who was helping me set up a, a 501c3 said just, I don't know, come up with a name for it. It never occurred to me that I could use Sinclair method, A, and B, that that I should use it. I was naive, what can I say? So that is, is I'm, I'm, that's a big regret on my part because perhaps we could have found, more people could have found the help they needed faster. But once again, we're doing what we can <laughs> and we we have established a, a, a sort of um, a place on the landscape of addiction treatment. Your recovery journey is uniquely yours. When you have questions or need guidance reaching your goals, there's a TSM coach for you at your Sinclair Method Coaching. Book a coaching session today. And I just say to people constantly, you know, it's, it's it, the way you can help us become more well-known is by helping us hire some part-time help. I mean, ideally at this point, at almost a decade, we'll turn 10 years old in June, at a decade years old, we we really at this point should have like four employees. And unfortunately, that's just not happening thus far, but I have, I have hopes. <laughs> I don't want to be all doom and gloom. Our newly launched, and and I do mean the pun intended on there, fundraising campaign, uh, we mentioned some incredibly lofty goals for the next 10 years at C3. And these are just the big things. The, these are the giant things that um, we want to accomplish over the next decade. So let's break these down. So the first thing that we have listed on there is we want to double the number of medical and mental health providers who offer the Sinclair method to their patients. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, like, I know that you've touched on some of the things that we're doing to try to recruit in 
medical and mental health professionals. So talk a little more about that. Once again, it requires not only manpower, but also we do get a good response when we go in person to addiction conferences, but that costs money, plane tickets and hotels, accommodation and and time and and taking Jenny, <laughs> taking you away from uh, the office, which, you know, when you have literally one person running the proverbial show, that's that's tough. Um, so so that's one way of doing it. But then there's also outreach programs that we could be doing if we had part time help helping doing all the menial tasks that you just don't have time for. So we could be doing more of an outreach. We could also advertise in in periodicals that appeal to these people that they will actually see. We could also pay for email lists that we could then hit these people up. But once again, this takes time and money or manpower, person power. So in order to get person power, we need money and that will provide us with more time so that Jenny can focus on big things and the other employee can focus on the smaller tasks that will make the big things happen. So. That's, you know, when it comes to trying to get more providers, it's a multi-pronged action, but it all really takes resources like money. And then there's also the next two points on our list, which are the trainings for both TSM coaches and for TSM medical provider training and certification. Talk about the importance of how leveraging a comprehensive training and certification program then also helps us to recruit these medical and mental health professionals to be more accepting of the Sinclair method. Well, the the attractive offer of that is that they would get continuing education credit. So if we could provide them with a, a, a program that actually provides CMEs, then then they would be more inclined to learn about the Sinclair method because it's a it's a tit for tat. It's like okay, we're offering this and you're getting this, and in 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 of course, then we get additional providers already organically signed up to our site and more people that know about it. And as far as mental health providers, I just feel like um, I'm running into this time and time again with uh, psychiatrists who can prescribe um, and and don't know about TSM. And these these patients come into them and say, you know, this is what I wanna try. And the psychiatrist is not supporting them. They're flat out refusing them, but yet offering them highly addictive anti-anxiety and antidepressants and, and all sorts of other medications, which, which as we all know, alcohol causes anxiety. <laughs> Excess alcohol causes all these issues. So it just, it's it's counterintuitive to me and it doesn't make any sense. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't even have a medical license, so I can't make any true judgments calls here, but it just common sense dictates that if you are providing support to someone with a substance use disorder, you should damn well know about every potential treatment for alcohol use disorder. If that person is suffering from alcohol use disorder, you are a psychiatrist. You should know every single option, and then you have a custom fit for your patient, and you should never outright turn somebody down until you do the research. So providing them with with the education they need and the information they need would alleviate all that miasma. (laughs) And of course, um, in our initial run-up to figure out how much it would cost for us to even design and become go through the extensive approval process 
to become a CME provider, we're estimating that it's going to take, what was it, about $100,000 just to develop. That's not even launching it. So it it would either take something of a major gift to sponsor us putting this together, or... It, we'd have to be bringing in enough donations to operate at a loss on that program for probably a few years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a big angel investor thing. I mean, in a perfect world, yes, somebody would swoop down um, and instead of no offense, no offense to animal charities, but I, I'm so I'm so tired of people giving to save the turtles, but not save human beings. <laughs> it's like, okay, I love turtles too. Turtles are great. But, you know, I think rat charities get more money than C3 Foundation. I'm serious. Animals it's, are it's, cuter than addiction. And unfortunately, are, that is are, a yes. hard animals truth. Adorable. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the most well, all of the most well provided for uh, nonprofit organizations, diabetes, juvenile diabetes, cancer, all, all of these things, military ones are, are you know absolutely well funded but all of these people also are using alcohol many of these people are using alcohol to self-medicate through cancer through ptsd so i mean all of this this is connected so we 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 can be a part of also helping all of that alcohol causes cancers you know i mean it's so so it's it's really is something that to me when i think about it in the grand scheme of things if you can get rid of the majority of alcohol use disorder, then you're also helping all of these other issues that that require organizations to support individuals. So, yeah, it's it's um. Listen, if I was running the world, Jenny, <laughs> we'd have at least a million dollar budget a year. Then we could do stuff, you know. Then we could really do stuff. So so yes, our hands are right now tied, but I'm hoping that things improve. <laughs> Yeah, we're working with about a tenth of that. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I think people don't understand that. They, um, I, I always laugh when I have someone ask about, you know, finding the right person in this department or that department. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm it. Talking <laughs> you're talking to her. No, I know. Somebody said, "Can you direct me to the right person to ask?" And I said, "Yeah, that's me." Because Jenny's too busy, <laughs> so I'm the right person. And it, or they'll say, um, or they'll say uh, that. Oh, I'll get an email saying, "Well, I know Claudia Christian just does this for fun," and I'm like, uh, "This is Claudia Christian, <laughs> by the way." <laughs> and this isn't. I, I mean, if you're talking about fun, fun is ice skating. You know, <laughs> it's Running gratifying. A and and it is and, yes, and but, it is highly rewarding knowing we're doing good work. But yes, uh, but but trying to trying to wrangle everything we're doing on a hundred k a year is pretty is is pretty frustrating. And I can see your pain when you send the annual budget and you say, and you know this this is where this is all we have. We can't do anything. It, and that's the frustrating thing is even the TSM buddies idea you know as you always say claudia comes up with big ideas and then we don't have the ability to do them but you know all of these things that that i i I dream of and i want to do um it's all about money and i and people have this once again this misconception that i'm i'm on some you know high paying series or something or 
I'm making millions doing movies. I wish I was. I wish I was. I tell Jenny every year, maybe this is the year I'll get a TV series because at least then I'll be more in in the public eye and I can promote TSM and maybe people will donate more. Every year I say that. <laughs> I ain't getting any younger kids, so we're going to have to rely on uh, fundraisers. <laughs> and if the hurdle of $100,000 or basically the amount of our current annual budget in order to just develop and qualify to offer CME trainings to medical providers isn't big enough, then comes the next two on our list, which dovetail together and are more in that million dollar um, funding needed range. And and that's the petition to the FDA to update the label to align with the science that's been done since approval and the petition for for what's called the RX to OTC switch, which is, um, it's a natural transfer from prescription only to over-the-counter for oral naltrexone. And that would be huge. I know. But this is amazingly expensive to do and again require this requires almost a task force level of people dedicated to nothing but that in order to accomplish that you've had conversations with um with people from other organizations talk a little bit about what they've told you goes into this process in order to do something Dr. Umhau worked for the FDA and, and he just, he, when he looked at me, when I, I said that, he said, he right, the first number out of his head was a million dollars and many years and possibly a decade. And literally, yes, as you say, like a, a force of individuals working full time on this and petitioning and coming. Oh, also the double, the, 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 the double uh, blind placebo clinical trial that would have to accompany this. So that that's that's the real kicker is that this would have to be a clinical trial on the level that the FDA would would accept, which means it has to be over a certain amount of time, it has to be a certain amount of individuals, a subset of individuals that match their their needs and their their list. So it's it's not something that you just suddenly I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> it's not, it's no, it's, there's a lot of components to it and it's a huge undertaking, but boy, it would, now that would, that would really, that would really change everything and make it so much more accessible to people. And then there's the additional hurdle of the fact that grant makers do not like to give grants to study drugs that are already established for the indication or disease that they are treating. So that makes the ability to get funding to do that double-blind placebo control that much more difficult, making it almost assuredly necessary to privately fund it. Yeah. Yeah. At a million dollars. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You and I both know there are plenty of people out there from Melissa, Melinda Gates to um, gosh knows who else uh, that could finance this. But once again, we get down to the thing of they've never heard of it and they probably don't even know that this is an issue. 
that can be easily fixed with this over the, I mean, this uh, FDA approved non-abusive medication. So, I mean, it, I, I don't think that, I think that if you went to somebody who had a billion dollars and said, do you realize the impact you could make on alcoholism in the United States of America, that $250 billion detriment to our budget every year that occurs because of lost days of work and car accidents and insurance and death and all this destruction, not to mention the human cost. Do you think you could just give a million dollars to that? I'm sure they would write a check tomorrow. But heck, you know, I've sent packages to the Jimmy Carter Foundation. I've sent packages to the Gates Foundation. I've sent packages of like the movie, the book, the thing, sweet letters. I mean, I have sent letters to, I, I don't know, everybody with, with some dough. And I'm sure they never even see it. Just a waste of time and money. Well, and... Then there's also the big misconception that people will say, well, why don't you just go write grant, you know, put in grant requests for these people where they don't understand that these large, very well-funded foundations have incredibly specific specific areas that they fund. Yeah, most of it is not even the United States, funny enough. Correct. Most of it is, is sub-Sahara Africa. I mean, there's, there's a lot of the issues that they're tackling are not domestic issues, um, which is interesting. They're global issues, which is understandable if you're thinking in a global level. But I always think, why not start at home? <laughs> you know, that's, then again, I'm not a billionaire, so. <laughs> but the amount of time it would take us to research and write a grant proposal to an organization that A, does not take unsolicited grant proposals and B, does not fund in the area in which we work. Again, with only two of us, that takes us away from doing the actual work that we're here to do, which is to help individuals who are struggling. And it's like, so do we, you know, go chase our tails knowing that they're, not even funding anything with addiction or medication or even in the United States. <laughs> no, but we are completely open for anyone who wants to volunteer to write grants to um, addiction specific uh, uh, gives. If, if someone wants to go research and find uh, appropriate grants for us and write those grants, we're totally open for that. If, <laughs> if, if some angel volunteer out there has a good, uh, knowledge of that, please contact one of us. So let's move on to a goal that we have, which is incredibly reachable in that uh, 10 year span. And honestly, it might actually not even be that lofty of a goal. It might be the most conservative goal on our, our list. And that's expand the Your Sinclair Method coaching program to serve a thousand people every year. Now, we just put ourselves past 250 this year, which we had hoped to grow to that number next year. So we're already a year ahead of our projections for our coaching program. And it is, it is probably our most impactful active program that we have going on right now. And it has been your baby since it's, initial dream in your mind. So talk a little bit about getting to that 
thousand people a year mark with the coaching program? Well, first of all, um, you're the one that, uh, even though I, I pushed you, but you, you did all the grunt work on this and, and now you're dealing with the insurance issue, which is, <laughs> we, we, we desperately need insurance for some of the, uh, global coaches I want to add. Um, so, you know, I may, I may have this idea, but you execute the idea. So thank you for that. It's helped a lot of people. Um, you also did the data, uh, inquiries on on individuals that did have support and found that people with support which sounds really obvious but we needed people to respond and get that that analytical information is people with support do better on tsm period <laughs> and that's just and people who are accountable and mindful do better on tsm and what's more accountable and mindful then setting an appointment with a coach and keeping that appointment and telling them about what's in your drink log and discussing what happened in the last week and learning more tools to deal with, with stress and staying motivated and all that stuff. So we know it works. We know that people who do coaching do better on TSM, period. You know, I have people who I've consistently seen for years, once every two weeks, when they stopped going, I'm not saying that it's uh, that's definitely related, but when they stopped coming, a lot of them got sloppy in, in their medication adherence. And it's just a matter of, you know, you're going to show up. It's something that you're, that, that you're doing and it's, you're doing it for you. And I think that's another weird thing is that a lot of people who suffered from any sort of substance use disorder, um, they don't really feel like they're valuable enough. They don't value themselves enough to invest in themselves. And you have to understand that, that, you know, when you pay for something, you take it far more seriously and you, you really invest in yourself. And I've found that the people who dabble in peer support, you know, it's helping a little bit, but the people who invest in a coaching session, they take it seriously. They want to almost be proud of their accomplishments or they want to immediately rectify any little pitfalls they had over the past week or two and discuss that with their coach and get it settled and out in the open and they also want to hear some feedback some positive feedback like wow you're doing great i always tell people did you comply since i last talked to you yes fantastic you adhere to the golden rule that's that's number one you're doing great and i think that we've been so beaten up as people who suffer from AUD that that just having someone in your corner is so helpful. So for me to know that a thousand people were helped, some of them on a consistent basis, it would be just extraordinary. I mean, every time you send up the update where you say, wow, we reached 50, we reached 100, we reached 250. Um, I'm thrilled because I know that is actual tangible to me proof that people are coming back because it's helping them. And that they're they're seeking out appointments with with our wonderful coaches consistently because it works, and that means that that they're getting the help that they need, and it is working. It's helping them stay mindful and accountable and motivated, and all the things we want people to stay on TSM. Um, you know, we don't even have on our list of things to do because it's one of those lingering things since the beginning of COVID we don't even have the manpower to update our physical mapping system. Yeah. And sure, there are, there are some volunteers out there that are, oh yeah, I'll help you with that. But 
on something that large, the amount of time it takes me to prepare something to give to a volunteer and then explain it and then make sure that they're on the right track and follow up. Full-time job. Again, which is why we need to increase our staff size, um, you know, which is also on here. And, and one of the things that we want to do by the end of our 10 years is to increase our staff size from the two of us to around 10. We need somebody who is a technology specialist, uh, a, a volunteer coordinator who can match the things we need with the volunteers who are on standby with the skills to help us, somebody who can be an intermediary to then explain all the nuances of a project to the volunteers involved. We need a development officer whose sole job is to do fundraising. They do nothing else but fundraising, which then allows you to continue to grow the coaching program. It allows me to do the functional program development and oversee them. You know, we, we need a, a full-time social media manager. My goodness, with all of our Facebooks and Twitters and Twitch and YouTube and Vimeo and Anchor and Spotify, oh my, uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're trying to not only keep up with the current social media platforms, but, you know, if we had somebody who could then go to TikTok, who can evaluate new social platforms as they as they pop up and say, okay, well, should we be here? Shouldn't we? What are the benefits? And actually take the time to do that kind of analysis along with helping get our information out on a consistent basis. Uh, I mean, that that position would be huge. You know, we need a program coordinator who can, you know, again, look at all of our different programs and say and look at them and say how can we do these better how can we take these programs and provide a more rich experience more and make it everything that we want it to be and that other people need it to be and then three program and operational assistants that just kind of help free for all with all of the things that need to be done i mean that's well, i'd be that's, happy with that's a dream for me <laughs> But yeah. every one of those people require a salary. Require a salary. I mean, I, you, you already know. I mean, I went to the board this year with our draft budget and said, yeah, no, no pay raises because we, I'd rather have a person. I need more help. And we're, I mean, you're, you're making like that much of what a founder CEO would make. And and I'm I'm making about half of what my market uh, value is, yep. and yeah, I could leave, but oh my god, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't. I couldn't dream of it because what we're doing here is so powerful. Yeah, but it can get rough when. You oh, know, I know. I've I've lived through a few burnouts of of yours, and you've lived through a couple of mine. We've traded and, them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it is yeah it, it's it's a lot and i and i think that 
the, the most important thing for 2023 would be to get some other body there so that you can allocate some stuff off of your plate yeah. and just just one part-time person at least at the very least has to be 2023 right and and the thing is just to get a basic minimal salary for a part-time person for 10 hours a week you're looking at at $10,000 in extra funding that we would need above our our budget because it's not just about paying them it's also about searching for the right person putting yeah. out ads advertising the position doing a vetting process taking the time to do interviews um and and doing training and and all of that it's um you know it's it, it just can't be done for less than $10,000 a year for a part-time 10-hour-a-week person. Yeah. And that's that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Well, hopefully hopefully this, this fundraiser that we're doing now will raise some money, I'm hoping. Um, as I always say to people when they say, you saved my life, I say, would you mind donating the money that you're saving in alcohol? That just that, just donate the money that you're saving in alcohol every week to us. I mean, our heroes are great. Our heroes yeah. are amazing. Um, but it has been mind-boggling how difficult it has been to find people willing to give any amount on a monthly basis. And we we have we have heroes that range from five dollars a month to. Um, multiple hundreds i went through my emails from 2010 from 2010 hand copied each email address from every person that i've corresponded with for the past 13 years and sent out hero asks to please become a hero and i think maybe we got three and i'm i'm talking it took me weeks to painstakingly look at each email, look at the communication with them, what we talked about, get their email address off of there, and then send and make this huge email blast. And and it it reaped like like maybe a point zero 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 one percent of the effort. Yeah, in two <laughs> years we have not breached seventy. Which is so, this is the amazing thing. This is so, originally the hero's idea was given to me by a fellow who works for a uh, a, a, um, a animal nonprofit organization um, in North Carolina or something. And he said, oh, I have a great idea for C3 Foundation. If you guys are struggling, why don't you just do this thing? We have people giving $25 a month and we have... Uh, 5,000 people giving $25 a month. And that's what our budget, that's what our, but we, that's, this is our income. And I said, wow, if, if they're doing that in North Carolina for some animals, it's a very small nonprofit, by the way, it's not a big one. Um, and they're getting 5,000 people giving $25 a month. I must be able to find at least a thousand people to give $25 a month. And there, there's our programs. Wow. And, and, I in thought two it years, least... and we're we're still not close to a hundred. 
I, I, it's, it's mind boggling to me. It's mind boggling to me. I've given 13 years of my life to this because it saved my life. You've given a decade of your life and it didn't even save your life. I don't understand if it saved your life, give back to the people who saved your life, to the organization that provides the information that saved your life. I don't understand it. Don't and again, get me it's any so recurring donor that we that we count. Uh, I mean, I I will gladly be just as grateful for the people who say, hey, all I can do is give you $5 a month. But they, their $5 a month comes through every month. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful. And so it gets frustrating when we do hear day in and day out, well, why didn't I hear about this? And it's like, well, no one... If if you're if no one is willing to invest in us, yeah, how do you expect us to do more than what we're already doing? Exactly. No, I know. It's so, it's yeah. It's well, it is very frustrating. Yeah. It's like the, the cost of a decent bottle of wine a month. That that's really what it comes down to. Uh, people are drinking twenty twenty five dollar bottles of wine. And they're and they've cut down from two bottles of wine a night to one bottle of wine a week. And I'm like, that's hundreds of dollars you're saving every week. Can you just allocate twenty five dollars a month to the hero program, please? Please. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I've tried kindness. I've tried anger. I've tried threatening. I've tried <laughs> sweetness. I've tried begging. I've tried pleading. I've tried sweet videos, serious videos, crying videos. I don't know what I, I don't I don't know at this point in my life. I don't know what else to do. I mean, I, I've offered dinners with me. I've offered lunches. I've offered uh, eight by tens, merchandise, memorabilia. Please. I, I don't know what else to give. I don't know what else to inspire people to just commit to one little one little thing. It's it's literally it's two Starbucks a month. It's it's like you know it's it's a couple of beers at a at a at a pub. You know it's just do it. <laughs> you know and you know so we've we've talked about all these big goals that we would like to accomplish and yeah. our. Fundraising goal right now of $100,000 is really just to get off on the right foot and, and get a little bit of, I wouldn't even say a running start, but maybe a jogging start. What do you see happening if we're not able to accomplish these goals that we have hopes for in the next 10 years? Well, I just, I just cannot believe that I mean, I always said in a decade that that, you know, that would be our tipping point, that that suddenly we would we would be known that that the Sinclair method would be more readily known. And it is. And there's been huge strides made in it. Don't get me wrong. This is not all negative and poo pooing everything. Um, we've accomplished a lot. People can do TSM today if they feel like doing it. I couldn't do that when I started TSM in 2009. I could not do it that day. I had to wait two months to get the medication from India. So, you know, there, there are absolutely, and I could have relapsed again and died. So, so yes, there's benefits to, to today as opposed to a decade ago, but it's, I feel like the, a, a turtle or a snail, you know, it's like we're just moving so slowly. So when you ask me, what do I think is gonna happen? I just think, I don't, I mean, I. I, I, 
pray to God that we don't ever have to close our doors because we, we, you know, because we don't, we can't afford to, to stay open. But I, I, I see that we, we, we just have to grow. There's just no way around it. We have to grow. The, the, the incidence of alcohol use disorder are growing. I always thought that maybe at this point we would see a little bit of, of a positive change. There, there was a slight decrease in men's drinking, believe it or not. I read re recently in something, but, but, you know, with COVID and the pandemic and everything, and uh, you know, incidents going up, I just, I just don't see a happy ending if we can't get more information out there. But, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, what will happen? I'll be very sad. <laughs> I'll be very sad if we can't grow because I feel pretty stagnant, even though we have added new resources and new programs by the skin of our, you know, teeth, we've added these programs, um, thanks to your hard work. Uh, but I, I just don't see us doing the big things unless we can really get funded. And as we wrap up, not just the episode, but also our podcast season, what message would you like to leave with everyone? give <laughs> just listen we are incredibly grateful that we've been able to meet so many amazing people throughout the years um and hear such amazing feedback it fills our heart with such joy to hear from people that we've profoundly changed their lives for the better that we've saved their lives that we saved a loved one of theirs that is the most powerful work one can hope to do in their lifetime so that for Jenny and I, I think if I may speak for you, I think that that right there is the overwhelming sense of absolute joy that we have every single day, knowing that we're making a difference for this world. Absolutely. And, and that that is a great feeling to get up in the morning and saying, you know, the work I do is helping people right now. It's helping save their lives, change their lives for the better. And it's providing a better, more productive, more loving, more healthy citizen of the world. So yes, that feels great. But what I would say is that this is not some fantasy. This is not what we do for fun. This is a pressing need that this is what we provide is needed all over the world. And what we're asking for in this $100,000 ambitious fundraiser is just simply to just do what we need to grow a little bit and to get some help because we can't continue on the way we are. Jenny's going to burn out again. I'm going to burn out again. Something will, and it's the cycle that just keeps going and going around. We need help. We need another person, at least one person with to join the organization. And for that, we need, we need funding. So this, this is what my takeaway for you would be is how, how big of a deal would it be for you to commit to being a hero or to donate to this cause? No matter how small it is, it all adds up, you know, whether it's to pay our rent or our phone bill or our internet bill, whatever, it helps. Believe me, it helps. And if I was on a high paying TV series, yes, I would. <laughs> I would help C3 Foundation, but I'm not. So, <laughs> so um, if I may leave you with the thought of just saying, you know, the price of a bottle of wine, can you donate that every month? And uh, can you, can you maybe, 
you know, ask your relatives, your friends, and your coworkers that instead of getting me a gift this year, can you give a hundred dollars to C3 Foundation? Can you give fifty dollars? Can we give twenty-five? That's what I would ask of you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. Um, we always, I know everybody always loves having you on the show. This TSM quick tip is brought to you by the C3 Foundation with support from our sponsor, Alcure. Let's talk about habits, Sarah. So it takes how long to form or make a new habit or to break bad habits? So it takes about 30 days to form a new habit, but 90 days to make it stick. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you're on the Sinclair method and let's say you want to change some basic habits, how do we start? I would say for me, I would say, let's change the time I take the tablet and the time I start drinking. So if I normally take it at six, I'm going to boost it up to 630 and I'm going to wait an hour and 15 minutes instead of just an hour. That's a great idea. Another thing you can do is change the location in which you're drinking. So if you usually drink in your living room, Try drinking in the dining room. Just make it a little bit different yeah. so that it's not the same as the habit you used to have. Exactly. And, and drink it out of a different glass. Yes, drink it out of a different glass for sure. Because let's face it, if you're doing the same exact thing every single day, the same alcohol, the same glass that you drink out of in the same room, watching the same things, uh, it, nothing's going to change really. you got to change up those habits. Exactly. 